Support for Switched on Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience-new play. If you only see one thing on Broadway this year, make sure it's Stereophonic, written by David Ajme, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler. The play follows a 1970s rock band on the verge of breaking down, breaking up, or breaking through. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it best of the year, and Peter Marks of the Washington Post says, okay, I'll go there. Stereophonic is the best play of the year. Get your tickets at stereophonicplay.com slash fox. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm a songwriter, Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Nate, when we were listening down Billboard the other day, there has never been such a fast agreement on a song that we had to dive into. Yeah, usually there's a lot of back and forth. Usually I'm, I'm very resistant to every suggestion you have for <laughs> songs we should cover. And then gradually you wear me down and I concede. But with Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, a.k.a. Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars, there was... No conversation. There was instant agreement that this needed to be the next song we cover. I gotta say, it feels like we're living in an age of nostalgia, and this took me to some specific moments immediately that I just like I had to investigate. I needed to know what are Anderson Pac and Bruno Mars doing? Yeah. What is this project? Right? Like they met in 2017 on tour together on the 24 karat magic European run. Hmm. They had like tracked a bunch of stuff. And then just a few weeks ago, we get this surprise drop, hmm. like super group looking back to 1970s soul music. Hmm. We get this group, Silk Sonic, which, by the way, fun fact, named by the famed bass player Bootsy Collins. What? Played with James Brown, Problem Funkadelic, named the band Silk Sonic and even introduces their first single. And ladies, don't be afraid to make your way to the stage for a band that I name Silk Sonic. What Mr. Space Bass himself? Unreal. That's pretty much the best accolade you can ask for. Totally. Yeah, I feel the same way about this song. I mean, as someone who always felt like they were born in the wrong time period, I <laughs> I love hearing this kind of throwback soul on the radio, bumping up the charts. It makes my soul happy. So do a lot of other people. This song peaked at number two on the Hot 100. It's at number three as we record right now. Yeah, what was your just initial reaction to hearing this thing? Where does it take you? I mean, what I love about this is that there is a reverence for these genres of the past. Yeah. For the 70s soul that you're referring to. But it's not, like, too precious. It has, there's still a sense of humor. And there's, like, a certain kind of contemporaneousness <laughs> to it that makes this not just a sort of pure mimicry of something from the past, right. but reviving those sounds and then updating them for the present. That's why this song is so fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where 
when you hear it, you know it. And you're like, oh, I know this song, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And for me, the thing that immediately grabbed my attention was the harmonic journey that they send us on. Because mm. we've been living in an era of a lot of loop-based music, simple chord progressions. Hmm. And from moment one of this song, we enter into this very rich, emotive, romantic mm. harmonic world. What you doing? There's some chords up in here. It gets jazzy here, and it doesn't get jazzy just for the sake of pleasing, you know, jazz nerds like yourself, Nate, or... Right, right. The harmony snobs. No, no, no. no. They are using harmony to take us on a real journey. Mm. Because this song is about leaving the door open, and... Bruno and Anderson are waiting for the object of their affection to walk right through. But they're not going to give that away right from the start. They're going to make us work for it. We're going to have to wait for that moment. Hmm. And the way that they do this is they start us with this non-resolving chord progression. Never lands in the home key on these really luscious chords. Play that, play that thing, Charles. <laughs> like that could go anywhere. Kind of, it's open. It's a little ethereal. It's smoky. Mm. You can see the choreography just to the chords. We've got Anderson setting the scene, sipping wine, hanging out in his mansion, hoping for that love of his life to walk on through that door. We should be dancing, romancing in the east wing and the west wing of this mansion. Was but Anderson's dreams in the verse are not going to be immediately fulfilled. Instead, we have to go to stage left, pull in Bruno Mars, and Bruno takes our chords into a whole new territory, modulates into this like very strange place. Bruno Mars modulates the song into a whole new key, the energy continues to build all this tension. It's like, you got to lie in these arms. He sets up this big cadence and you think it's going to land us into this <laughs> final resolution. And no. 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 We land into the chorus, back into our non-resolving chord progression, moving around, feeling really... Not sure what's going to happen. They're saying, I'm leaving the door open. And it's not until the very end of the chorus, a minute in, that we finally get that resolve. We land on our nice, big, cozy C major chord. It's our home key. We've arrived. And, of course, what happens right here. Tell me that you're coming through. We say, baby, tell me that you're coming through. Hmm. Someone's going to walk through that door, and we finally, minute into the song, we know where we are. We have a sense of being at ease. Well, I am digging this harmonic adventure because I remember listening to the song, and I thought, there's some really interesting stuff happening here. And then I just kind of let you (laughs) go and figure it out, and and now I'm reaping the, the rewards of it. Because what I'm hearing is that in this 
kind of bifurcated structure where we have like these two very different sections of music. Right. Neither of which give us sort of a clear harmonic home place. It makes us wait for the very end of the chorus to finally feel like we're settling in a key of C major. And that suspense like mirrors the message of the song. I'm leaving the door open. Are you going to come through? That's pretty cool. I love this. And when I said at the top, this feels totally familiar. Mm. It only feels familiar in a throwback kind of way. Like this is this is not a common occurrence on the pop charts these days. This is a total aberration. But I couldn't quite pinpoint what the references were that I was hearing. Like I could tell this was some kind of soul memory palace. Right. And I just couldn't unlock it. And so I called up some of our friends and colleagues that would have a better answer. First person I thought to chat with was our engineer, Brandon, who just loves this music. I mean, it's it's all of it, man. It's like pure soul. Just the way the verses like talk back and forth with the harmonies, because back then it was like, you know, if you take like, Aretha Franklin's song, like her sisters would be singing back there. I'm in love with you. And you know, they come in at certain parts and they lay out. And on, when you saw it on stage, it was the exact same thing. It's like the lead singing, like sometimes they, you know, they fill in. You know, not like harmonies now where they're sort of like layered underneath what you're singing. It's more like I'm going to sing. My background singer is going to sing. It's like a conversation. So Brandon's right on, right? We hear that same kind of call and response vibe right in the first verse of Leave the Door Open. Anderson sings, background yeah. singers pop in. What you doing? That's one of my favorite parts of the track. <laughs> that that's that like kind of that humor that I was talking about that makes the song feel like it's not just reheating, you know, classic tracks. No, for sure. This is a very funny song and we're going to get to the humorous part in a minute. Okay. But before we do that, we have to get very serious for a moment. No, until then no <laughs> laughter. No laughter. No joke. Deeply serious. Tell me something serious about the song. What's serious about this song is that I knew Brandon was onto something with this soul reference, but yeah. I wanted to go deeper and be like, yeah, but what kind of soul? Mm. Because, you know, a lot of folks know that like soul is this 60s, 70s movement, black music happening in the civil rights era. Yeah. But it was also a very regional music. You had music labels tied to cities that had their own sort of sound. So mm. there's not just one soul. There is New Orleans soul. There's Chicago Soul. And then there's the big three that over the last week I've been listening to the most. A lot of people probably think Soul. They think Motown. They think Detroit. Mm. Has that assembly line, polished pop hit quality. It's not as jazzy. Has some of those orchestral sounds in it. But this is just, you know. It's pop Soul. It's Pop Soul, totally. Like so many record labels at the time, there was a great band that often backed all of the Motown hits, the Funk Brothers. We hear them on songs like The Temptations, My Girl. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell's Ain't No Mountain High Enough. And Martha Reeves and the Vandellas dance in the streets. But when I think about what Leave the Door Open is doing, Silk Sonic 
doesn't seem to be pointing to the more poppy qualities of Motown for me. So I like, kept on listening, went further south down to Memphis, where you had Stax Records, Booker T and the MGs, the house band, doing a more sort of mm. southern sound, bluesy, groovy, lots of organs and horns. You can think of like mm. Otis Redding's Try a Little Tenderness. Oh, I will. Nice. Or, of course, the famous Sam and Dave's Soul Man. I love it. Love Memphis Soul. But that doesn't feel like the right reference either, you know? Yeah. What are you hearing on Leave the Door Open that we're missing? Well, I'm hearing those jazzy harmonies you talked about. Right. I'm hearing these kind of more like kind of laid back, kind of delicate vocals. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing a more kind of orchestral approach, maybe. Totally. And I should have been on it. I love these sounds. But I honestly, I just couldn't figure out where they were coming from. So I called up our friend Zach Tenorio Miller, who helped us do some reharmonizations of our theme song. Has played with Kimbra and in the band Arc Iris. Mm. He has just such an amazing ear for harmony. I knew he could point us in the right direction. It's Philly Soul all the way. Philly Soul. Philly for the win. Exactly. Ah, okay. This is good because I am familiar with some of these artists from Philly Soul. I, I know a little bit about the history, but like I, I could use a, a, a tutorial in what makes this track a Philly Soul throwback. Like you gave me the the breakdown of Motown in Detroit and Stax in Memphis. Like, what's the Philly scene? Why does it sound the way it does? How does this track? use those influences. So Fred Wesley, who is the trombonist for Parliament Funkadelic and James Brown, he described it as putting the bow tie on funk. <laughs> it has big strings, jazzy chords, like it feels like it's a little fancier. And there are whole scenes happening in Philly, but really centered around the label Philadelphia International, the songwriting team and owners Gamble and Huff and their house band mm. MFSB. You probably know something like T-S-O-P. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the sound of Philadelphia. And it became the theme for Soul Train. Hmm. You get that really polished, big string sound on the OJ's Love Train. Totally. I hear the bow tie. I really do. It's slick. It's slick, man. If there's anywhere you can get that tuxedo vibe, though, man, it's on Billy Paul's Me and Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. Mm, yeah, that's fancy AF. You could take that song out to the French Laundry. Or Le Cirque. That's how, that's how <laughs> polished and, and, and buttoned up that track is. Mmm, luscious. I love it. Right, no jokes. Remember, we're keeping this real serious Oh, here. sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We saved them for later. But here's the thing. It's like, all right, we're in the Philly Soul world. I'm hearing that tuxedo thing. Zach went way deep for us and did some homework, pulled in his buddy musician Steve Taylor, and put together this whole playlist where... I mean, 
remember I said this is like a memory palace of Soul? Like, there are some specific references that I think they're pulling from, and Zach found them for us. The first one I put on this list, I think it's just the same chord progression. So that's the stylistics, you are everything. Play it back Mm. to back with leave the door open. We're one key away, but basically same progression. Feels like these guys were in the studio digging deep into their their Philly soul catalog. Mm. Yeah, I hear the resemblance. But it's not the only one. Zach found some other amazing connections. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes have the song, If You Don't Know Me By Now. You probably do know the song by now. And it has got these Mm. over-the-top modulations that feel so similar to what they're doing and leave the door open. Oh, M. God, I am feeling those rich chord changes. And yeah, I take your point. Maybe they're not the exact same chord progression as we hear in Silk Sonic, but they've got to be riding that Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes wavelength. Totally. When we move into the pre-chorus and leave the door open, it has that same awesome ascendant quality. What's nuts about this song is that they don't just like do this once. It keeps on happening. Like later on, I leave the door open. There's this bridge that goes into yet another harmonic space. Feels like we're still searching for that person we love. Come on through that door. Nate, your smile is so large right now. It's over the top, and I'm and I'm here for it. It was a whole thing. I got to do one more because I it's love thing. when things modulate. I'm sorry if that one didn't blow your mind. I've got a song that will. It's called "Didn't I Blow Your Mind." I'm sorry about the joke it's by the Delphonics. Ugh, out out of line. In order to blow someone's mind, they keep just taking you on this journey. You are moving. Yeah, I mean, listening to these, it, it takes me back to something you said at the top of the episode, which is just how different all of these Philly soul tracks sound from the stuff we're accustomed to hearing on the Hot 100, <laughs> especially in regards to harmony. Because in any one of these examples, we hear like a dozen rich funky crunchy right. chords and in you know the majority of pop hits you just get like two or three cycles, and that's four. fine as we've talked about 
yeah. many times on the show, you know. It's a vibe. Pop music does not need to be harmonically no. complex no. to be great, but this stands out. Yeah. And reaching back to that harmonic trick bag for Silk Sonic is a way to differentiate themselves. Can I give you one more Easter egg from Zach? You may. I will gobble it up. The last thing I'll tell you. Did you notice the Summer Breeze quote? They're paying an homage. All right. You catch that? Wait, Summer Breeze by Seals and Croft. Uh, Okay, take me there. Love that little xylophone. Or is it a glockenspiel? I think it's a glockenspiel. Perhaps marimba. We This remains unresolved <laughs> since we tried to uh, uncover it in, in Goat Yay. So we're just kind of further embarrassing ourselves and flailing. Well, I will impress you by going to leave the door open. Check this. Tell me that you're coming Okay, I'm I'm a little skeptical. Let me let me hear these back to back one more time. Just like a the slightest little quotation. Bum, 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 bum. One goes down, one goes up at the end. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we'll give it to we'll give it to ZTM. I mean, he was on point with all the other references, so I, I have no reason to. Doubt Not a him Philly now. Soul reference, I should point out, and and Zach wasn't making that connection. Just more showing how these guys are digging deep, and you know. You had mentioned that this song is not just serious. It's pretty goofy, right? Yeah. I think that a lot of the reasons why it feels familiar and fresh is that they are drawing from a lot of different references. And one of them did not sit well with our executive producer, Hannah Rosen. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm nervous. I am into Bruno Mars. I have spent a lot of time watching videos of Bruno Mars dancing. I'm super into his whole fluid vibe. Leave the door open, 100% works. But, 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 I just can't with the quiet storm. I don't know what it is. I have never been able to get down with the quiet storm. It's like the campy vibe or something. When I was a kid, my dad used to play Quiet Storm in his taxi. He was a taxi driver, and we used to make so much fun of the lyrics, like like in this case, it's like, if you're a hungry girl, I got fillets. Okay, I hear you on the fillets. <laughs> that, that line always makes me, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. Raw meat? Like, why are you bringing raw meat into this, into this like, sexy scenario? Like, that, you could just leave, you could leave that out of there. But one thing left me wondering, I was like, Quiet Storm, that's cool. What's Quiet Storm? I should know what Quiet Storm is. How do I not know what Quiet Storm is? Do you know what Quiet Storm is? I don't know much, but I think it's a radio format uh, that was very popular with, like, black adult contemporary audiences in the 80s. Is that something I... Somewhere around the right mark. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. My research points to... Sade comes to mind, Totally, for sure. yeah. So Quiet Storm was this radio format started by the DJ Melvin Lindsay. In 1976, he was at Howard University's WHUR and started doing this late-night program called Quiet Storm, named after Smokey Robinson's song of the same name. Quiet Storm. 
kind of thing that you heard in Philly Soul as well. A Teddy Pendergrass song called Close the Door. Maybe a reference. (laughs) Close the door. Let me give you what you've been waiting for. Baby, I got so much love. I mean, Anderson Bruno leaving the door open. Teddy's. Closing the door once someone comes through. So perhaps yet another kind of throwback reference in this like retro cauldron of funky soul quiet storm mashups that the guys in Silk Sonic are brewing up for unsuspecting listeners in 2021. A lot of people have been pulling on the funk vibes for a while, but you throw in that a little bit of the Philly soul, throw in the quiet storm, and that's what I'm catching from Silk Sonic. And yet, somehow, it's working really well right now because there's something about the song which is still totally contemporary. And that kind of eluded me. And I felt like to figure out why is this song working and so successfully taking a retro thing and making it modern, I needed to talk with someone who would have firsthand experience. And so I called up Taylor Parks. You probably know her as a songwriter mm. for Thank You Next with Ariana Grande, Love Lies with Khaled and Normani. Yes. She, she wrote on High Hopes, yes. Panic at the Disco. She's written for Dua Lipa, Quavo, Dan and Shay, Janelle Monet. She's like across every genre. Yes, and of course, please. she's written with Anderson Pac on his song Tints with Kendrick Lamar. And so after the break, we're going to hear from the wonderful Taylor Parks about why Silk Sonic and our whole world of retro nostalgia things actually working out so well right now. Awesome. Support for Switched on Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience new play. If you're anything like us, you're obsessed with music. Not just listening to it, but everything behind the scenes as well. What makes a good band? What makes a great song? And what does it take to make it big? All of these questions and more are explored in the remarkable new Broadway play, Stereophonic. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it best of the year, and Peter Marks of The Washington Post says, okay, I'll go there. Stereophonic is the best play of the year. Written by David Ajme, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler, the story follows an up-and-coming 1970s rock band as they gather in a California music studio to record a brand new album, but it's a bumpy ride that threatens to tear the band apart. You may find yourself being reminded of the famous recording processes for legendary bands like Led Zeppelin, Bruce Springsteen, and the E Street Band, and Fleetwood Mac. So get your tickets now and see Stereophonic live on Broadway this spring. Visit StereophonicPlay.com slash Vox for more info. Vox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docuseries, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. <laughs> I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you 
I'm telling you, you belong. And I'm telling you, you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth. But yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing. Because like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. Hey, what's up, you guys? It's Taylor Parks. I guess I'm curious from your perspective, do you feel like we're living in this age of musical nostalgia? Is this a, is this a thing that's going on right now? I honestly think that every year there's at least one moment of nostalgic like music right so Hmm. we went through a phase of like it was 90s everything you know when bruno and cardi did that record together right now we're kind of in the late 70s early 80s phase right i mean the weekend took us into the 80s you know everything comes back eventually um, I'm sure there's a time that I'm forgetting about where we've been in like the early 2000s phase um, of of that type of music. But right now we are there and I love it because of the fact that there is a point where minimalism was really, really in. And mm. now people are like, give it all to me. I want all of the feels, you know? Mm. When you say minimalism was really in, is that a production and songwriting from a production and songwriting perspective? And could you maybe provide some examples? Oh, very much so. Um can't keep my hands to myself. Uh, Selena Gomez, those can't keep my hands mm. to myself. No matter how hard I'm trying to. Like very simplistic and precise melodies, which is great mm. because we still have, you see like an evolution of it, you know, um, in trap music and, you know, mm. mumble rap and things like that, which is very simplistic melodically, but... Mm the structure just started to change and get longer. And maybe you don't just do verse Mm. and pre and hook. And maybe you're doing a post hook. And maybe that post hook is also the pre. You know, things like that have started just really changing um, over time. Like growing up, when I first first started writing, Babyface was one of my my first mentors in the songwriting world. And it was very, you know, um, just classic verse pre-hook. And it was the the lucky thing, though, that I did was it was always musical because he's babyface. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. always something that was beautiful, which I love. I love that. I'm a very musical person. Um, and I tend to, to lean into the melody a lot when I'm writing. So to hear that kind of coming all the way back around um, and, you know, hearing live instruments on tracks and not just synths mm. and, and, and things like that is really awesome. So I'm curious from your perspective, you write across genre. Like you've been recently in Nashville, right now you're in Miami. That seems particularly unique to have yeah. that capacity. You know, some records that come to mind are like you have a, a track on Future Nostalgia, Dua Lipa's record. You have contributions to Janelle Monae's record, especially mm-hmm. think about like Pink, which has like both some like 80s and very specific 90s references to Aerosmith in it. Like mm-hmm. you not only know genre, but you know your different eras mm. and even your own record. Dance like, Alone. <laughs> Dance Alone is like this cool down tempo disco track on your record coping mechanisms.
why don't we go into your track, Dance Alone? What are the ways in which you're nodding to the past and what are some of the ways that it's contemporary? Of course. So when you when you break apart Dance Alone, um, and it first came about with just, I was just in the studio um, in New York and playing these two chords on the guitar. And I went back into Oscar and Jeff and was like, yo, I got these two chords that are awesome. But we didn't <laughs> know where they landed because they're very, very simple chords. But when things started to come around it, Jeff started playing that bass line. Now we're in the funk era, you know, now we have a little bit of that. But then top line, top line wise, I wanted to go, how do we go not so traditional? If we're going to have a funky track, if we're going to have that, then the, the top line has to be something a little bit gritty. That's why that left hand's up, right hand on the Bible. You walked I was dead on arrival. Like... It has the feeling and the emotion of back in the day, but it's a very 2020 cadence, you know? Mm. Break that down a little bit more for me. Like, like, what makes that cadence so contemporary? In the 70s and 80s, we were in the year of like a crooner when it comes to R&B music, right? And the music was so smooth and you had just incredible groups and things that were really, really tight. But this cadence, if you just take the boom, 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 that's a trap cadence. You know, um, if you just take the cadence and it's the emotion that I'm delivering it in and the still the fact that it's melodic, you know, that still gives it that soul, you know. So even though I'm feeling some like disco and funk vibes, I'm very much in the 21st century when I'm exactly. listening to Dance Alone. And that's that's mm. the real thing because when you're t- having, when you're have, like just having, a, taking a nod to these older uh, genres or these more classic sounds and the instruments and stuff, you also have to make sure that you're finding an original way to do it. Nobody mm. wants to, like I'm, I'm, I'm in particular, I'm like, I don't want to hear you try to imitate an old song. Like, I would rather listen to the old song because it has life in it. It has so many other things, right? So if you're going to do it, still try to do it with a just a fresh approach, you know, which is what I think is what allows music to evolve, you know what I mean, versus doing the same thing because ev- the evolution of music is about basically creating a new gumbo, a new formula, a new way of intertwining genres. Part of what instigated this question for me is Silk Sonic's Leave the Door Open, which is just like pure 1970s Philadelphia soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a it's a very winky song. <laughs> it's taking itself extremely serious musically and it's very lighthearted lyrically. Yes. When I was listening to it, though, like, you know, it, it feels so nostalgic because it feels like it's recorded to tape. It, I don't even know if it has a click. Yep. And yet, it still sounds really contemporary. And the thing for me that was doing that was Anderson's vocal. And I know you contributed to Anderson's record, Oxnard. You, you work with mm-hmm. him on the song Tints with Kendrick yes. Lamar. And he just has a certain flow that feels like today, but I just like, I can't put my finger on it. And I was wondering yes. if you would be down to like take a peek at that verse with me and see like, is there anything that you identify that feels like, what's happening now as opposed to what would have been happening in like the 70s Philly soul thing? Well, I definitely 
think lyrically is where he really got us to because it's so cheeky. So it's not like just the typical, you know, you have the hook where it's like, I'm going to leave the door open. It sounds classic. It sounds, right. you know what I mean? But the, what you doing? Hey, I, you got plans? Oh, don't say that. Like you hear <laughs> his, like, I love that part as you can tell. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like people trying to do music back then. It sounds like his own interpretation, which he's very good for because he's a musician. And, and when you're a student of music, you can say, what is it specifically that I liked about that, that I'm trying to capture now, mm. you know? And once you get that, and because also, you know, him and Bruno are, are musicians, you're able to really, really play shuffle, right? I'm, I, can't, I can't imagine how many changes the song probably went through in drum pattern mm. or, in, um, or in melodic, you know, rhythm or cadences or whatever, you know? But it's definitely something in this verse, it's lyrically to me that makes it feel so today because it's so conversational and mm -hmm. and of course just his personality shining through you know what I mean it's you can tell that this is just somebody who's a little bit silly and a little bit <laughs> you know what I mean it's not it's not too serious which I love there's this line in particular for me was like a giveaway and again like this is where I I can hear it but I don't quite know what it is I'm wondering if you can help me narrow in it's the silliest line I'm sorry I'm gonna say this out loud it's deeply embarrassing so it's the <laughs> end of the first verse he goes my house clean, my pool warm, just shaved, smooth like a newborn. We should be dancing, romancing in the east wing and the west wing of this mansion. What's happening? Like, come on. Come on. Like, that is very, very good. And it's, it's like, going back to like, I remember when I was talking about the verse on Dance Alone, it has that thing where it's like, mm, like you got, mm. it's, you can hear it in his voice, you know, but those cadences mm. are still, until you get to the kissing, hugging, rubbing, yeah. it's very, that's the only classic thing that's like, oh, okay, right. I see what you're doing. Everything else is very, um, just new and very him um, because he always right. had that, I think, in most of his music. Um, he has a a way of just being genuinely saying like you. I know you can hear those influences. But look how I made them my own. I feel like one of the things that I get from that verse is recognizing that Anderson is an equally talented singer as he is rapper, and the sort of rhyme schemes in it don't feel like mm -hmm. something you would have heard in the 1970s, where he has this like intensification exactly. of inner rhyme schemes and things like that. Completely. You're completely right on that. It's it's just a different approach and it's because of the fact that he is a rapper as well. You know what I mean? And he's, like you see on this record, he can sing too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but when you have that type of mindset and it's not, you're not approaching it from an R&B writer's uh, mindset or you're not approaching it from a pop songwriter style like mindset, you really can just say, look, what he's such a student of music that he can kind of go into any of those worlds. You know, like mm. the conversations that I have with him and, and even when we were on tour and when we were first um, starting to work, because we met through Christina Aguilera working on that album. And so coming from there, and that was the first time that we worked and to see how he, how he moved and to see his process, you can tell that he's a student of music. Yeah. And you, you, I, I always stress that because a lot of people, 
forget that in order to be able to do that and to be able to make it uniquely your own, you have to understand the same way that any songwriter has to understand, whoa, how did you write that hit song? Did you understand why? Um, Can you do it again and again and again? And he's one of those artists. I was going back to Tense, which was a real favorite of mine when that record came out. First time I heard the song, I'm like, oh, this is a silly song about you know, your car or whatever. And then you're like, oh, no, this actually has like a really powerful message in it as well. And he's really good at sort of writing multiple meanings within a song, obviously needing tints in order to avoid you know constant persecution mm-hmm. by racist cops. Mm-hmm. In the pre-chorus, I sort of get the same vibe that I got in Leave the Door Open, mm-hmm. which is the pre-chorus goes, I've been in my bag adding weight, trying to throw a bag in a safe, gigging tour and chasing raisin babes. And that line, and I don't know if you worked on that particular line, but what, what what stuck out to me is like, wait, safe and babes are all just slant rhymes. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not on rhymes. But the way that he delivers them, you're like, it's so confident. Yes. And then you have that intensification thing, that gig and tour and chore and raisin. Yes, like, I was definitely a part of, of of that line with him, and literally. It was something we looked at each other and we're like, come on. You know what I mean? Come on. And the way that he did it, and I'm, I'm, I'm from Texas, so I'm all about an off rhyme. I'm like, look, we can make it rhyme. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but so, but he has that thing that's like, okay, if it makes sense, it just makes sense. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be so, like when I first started writing and, you know, it was like, the year of like, this is the way that you write a pop song and this is the way that you do it and it has to be this and this and that. Mm. That's when I first started to come into the industry. It wasn't until I was like, you know what? I don't even care about any of those rules besides what seems to make sense in that particular song. The moment Mm. that that happened was when records like Boss happened and it's very different and musical and blah, blah, blah. But at the time when I first came into that for the Fifth Harmony thing, that wasn't a sound. It wasn't anything popping. You know what I mean? And then you hear mm. bang, bang. And then it becomes like, wow, we're going into just over the past five to seven years, we've just seen a shift in people wanting to hear more musical things and they don't mm. want to hear. They don't necessarily want to say, I know what's coming next, which is what every pop person, you know, thinks. Not everybody wants to know what's, oh, I knew you were going to say that line. And that's what Anderson has, and that's what's in Silk Sonic. And with a lot of the songs that we're hearing, you know, today, that are my favorites anyway. Yeah, our team meets once a week to discuss what we're listening to. And Mm -hmm. after yesterday's meeting, I was like, I think the chord that summarizes how we're feeling about music right now, just after everything we shared, was this chord. Mm, yes. You know what I'm saying? Some like some like crunchy, smooth, yes, y- yes. yummy, like hopeful upper still has harmonies. Depth. Yes. But but like we're not doing just like a 
No. Yeah. No, we're like, we need a chord with some emotion. No, no, no obvious um things. And of course, you'll still have that. But even if those that chord is obvious, they're, we're pushing our musicians right now. And I love it. Mm. Especially mm. because we're in a time when, and when I say we're, I think fans. You know what mm. I mean? The fans mm. are enjoying and reacting to the songs that are coming out that are different than just, oh, we're going to do a simple one, three, five, and boom, 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 and then that's just be what it is, right? They're they're adding different elements, and this is the time. This is the time that we're, we're making the new rules that are going to be the ones for the next, you know, year we're here on radio, and then it'll evolve mm. into something else. But the thing that excites me is, yay, we have, you know, more people just being a student of their craft. Um, I was working with Ian Dior, and he was just discovering who Van Halen was. And to uh-huh. see that excitement on his face was so awesome because it's not even a, it's not even a bad thing because he's um, very young, yeah. you yeah, know? Yeah. And, but it was just so awesome to see the excitement. And like, remember, mm. what's the, remember the last time you heard something that just blew your mind? Mm. You know what I mean? He was in that phase. And I know that that's going to be good for music. Mm, that's awesome. What I'm hearing from you is that even though every year there's sort of a nod to something in the past, you really feel like over the last five years, music is moving forward into sort of uncharted territory and that those illusions actually include lots of new kinds of forms and rhyme schemes. And completely. Um, there's a lot of creativity in there for you. Completely. Like, I, I love it. Like, it is the... As the youngin in the room, when I was first coming in, it was literally like, wait, why do I have to follow these rules? Okay, got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was one of those things. But now, you know, I'm seeing like the the, the newer writers come in and producers come in and they're mm. just doing what feels right. Because you know why? Because people have been able to put songs out and, you know, streaming is completely different. And the way that you get music out there is just completely mm. different. Mm. So people are understanding, wow, the possibilities of a hit, quote unquote, you know, a quote unquote hit song are limitless. You know, mm. there is no one way to do it or two or three ways. You can literally just do what feels right. And that that's never been mm. more true now than like ever. That's awesome. I mean, it makes sense why like if Bruno's just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do a new Jack Swing thing. All right, I'm going to do a Philly Soul thing. Like, I'm just going to do it. And of course, you know, he's got the clout to do it and he <laughs> brings the right people together to make it happen. And can pull it off because that's a hard, that's something yeah, hard that's ha- to do genuinely. But he's like totally such an incredible right. performer and, and musician and writer. and Totally. Okay, yeah. lovely. Um, Can you give me any foresight into what is 2021 sound, sounding like? You're in these songwriting camps. You're in these sessions. You're writing lots of songs. What's going on? Hmm. I think we're in a very interesting phase over the next, and we'll see it over the next two or three months. People are going to disco it on out. They're going to be like, boom, 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 and that's going to be that. But we're coming to the end of that, which is interesting. I think we're still going to be in this nostalgic vibe, but exploring different parts of the uh, of those things that we enjoy about the 70s and, you know, and may, we might even go further back. Right now, it's been just based off of every genre is doing a different thing. So when I was in um, in Nashville, they're doing like, and, and every artist is different, but of course they're very much so in their crossover, uh, mm-hmm. crossover country record phase. It's not like, but one session, I did something that was an old kind of Willie Nelson. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Maybe that might be, maybe people do want to hear that because my hope is that people will take advantage of the fact that people just want to hear something real right now, mm-hmm. you know, and like I've been seeing the reaction to POV um, on the charts and, you know, uh, from Ariana's album and it's a ballad, you know, and people love a bop, mm-hmm. 
But I think that we're going to have a lot more ballads and just real music. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 60s and 70s, they had artists that were that were making songs that had to do with the climate of the world. We don't have that type of thing anymore. But I think that artists are understanding how important it is to be talking about what is going on. Now, mm-hmm. not in a preachy way, not mm-hmm. in an obvious way. But You've only got three minutes to say something. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, you only got you better make it good. You know what I mean? If you if you only have that that much time, and so I, I just think we're going in a lot more into just more conscious music. Um, and, and when I say conscious, just the artists, whatever phase that they're in, um, mm. in 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 their life. But I definitely think that you know we don't know sonically where it's going to go. I just know subject wise, the artists that I've been working with. Um, and the artists that I haven't been working with, that my friends are working with, they want to talk mm. about real stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Real things that are real to them. Not that, you know, d- having fun is not real. Um, yeah. But I think it's just an evolution happening subject-wise as well. I mean, I, certainly like Anderson's lockdown, I feel like, is an amazing example of exactly that. Where you're just like immediately responding to protests. Like that that record came out so fast, was yep. of the moment. There's like, no excuse. You all have studios at your house. If you don't know how to work, right. if you're an artist and you don't know how to record at least a garage band, something, you're slacking. Because you, this, mm. is a, this is an opportunity to be able to get it out faster to the people, ever faster than ever before. You know oh, what man. I mean? Or something, figure out a way to just be a part of the conversation now. Not a year later in that, during album cycles. Yeah. I just want to ask you one more question about your craft and how you approach this. Your writing spans so many different genres and eras, as we've talked about. How do you think about adapting what you do when you're coming into a session to sort of match what the vibe is going to be? Like if someone's going to be like, all right, we're doing that 1970s thing. How do you change versus like, hey, I want to do that, you know, New Jack Swing thing versus mm-hmm. like, all right, we're just going to do some like super contemporary trap kind of vibe. Well, it's very interesting because it's just as being a good listener, right? Mm. So understanding, and also I've always been good at being the middle ground between the label, the management, the artist, and, you know, all of those different things. So I'm understanding what the label needs from you, what the artist wants to do, and that middle ground between making sure that everybody is going to be excited to push this record because everybody's on Mm. the same page, right? Mm -hmm. So when I go into a session, it's, it's always like, you know, first of all, therapy. I ask that artist, how you doing? Who you loving right now? Who do you hate right now? Like all of those different, every artist that I've worked with can understand that the process, and that's why I say tailor-made, is because it's tailored to you. You know what I mean? Whatever your emotions are, your thoughts are. And I think that a little bit of um, my acting background comes into play when it's like you're getting into character, right? You're getting into character, and today you're this person. And there. if your heart is broken, so is mine. You know what I mean? If you're freshly in love, so am I. It has. It takes empathy. It takes being a good listener um, and also just being a student of your craft. You know what I mean? Because if I always say this. Yeah, you can do any type of genre you want if you're willing to take the time to become great at whatever it is that you're doing um, or to find those things. Like if I was going to Nashville and writing, trying to write for Dan and Shay, but I was still doing uh, trap cadences or only, you know, certain things, that's not being fair to them. It's wasting their time because you didn't do your research. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, it's really an exciting thing to be able to say, wow, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to make sure that they understand what you're saying. And in the most genuine way for you, it's a fun game. Like, it's like you got to get through the reach through the, you know, rings of fire to get to that bullseye every (laughs) single time. (laughs) 
the the metaphor that comes to mind for me is it's kind of like somebody has walked into a giant university library and they're like, um, I kind of want to do this thing. And you're on the other side of the desk and you're just like, all right, here are the exact books that you need. We're going to go to this exact passage. We're going to put this thing together and we're going to help write your paper. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And and it makes it so it's never boring. Like I can't, I can't imagine, um, you know, only doing like one type of, of music. You know, people used to always ask that. And I'm like, I'm I'm such a curious person and I love to learn and I love to mm-hmm. collaborate. Um, and so I just, I'm really enjoying this time where it's all, where we're in a melting pot uh, in the music industry right now. And it's, it's extremely fun. You know, it's a, it's a great time to be a musician right now. Oh, Taylor, I love your energy. I'm glad that you're, it's so clear you're enjoying it. I don't know how you work so hard. It <laughs> blows my mind. This episode of Switched On Pop was produced by me, Charlie Harding, Nate Sloan, and Bridget Armstrong. We're engineered by Brandon McFarlane, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, and social media, Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen. We're a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. If you liked the smooth sounds of Philly Soul and Quiet Storm, we're going to be posting some of our favorite tracks in a playlist that you can find on Twitter, on the Instagram, at Switched On Pop. Or check out our website, www.switchedonpop.com. Next week, we'll be chatting with some more really wonderful songwriters. Teddy Geiger and Dan Wilson will be joining us to break down Teddy's new song, Love Somebody. It's going to be part of On Air Fest 2021. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation about how to create effective creative collaboration. And if you want to watch that conversation live at On Air Fest, Tickets are free and open to the public. You just go to onairfest.com. Some of the most wonderful podcasts, other audio people, great folks in culture, music across the board. Check out On Air Fest 2021. Hope to see you there. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Support for Switched on Pop comes from Stereophonic, Broadway's must-experience new play. If you only see one thing on Broadway this year, make sure it's Stereophonic, written by David Adjmi, directed by Daniel Aachen, and featuring original music by Arcade Fire's Will Butler. The play follows a 1970s rock band on the verge of breaking down, breaking up, or breaking through. The New York Times, The New Yorker, and New York Magazine call it best of the year and peter marks of the washington post says okay i'll go there stereophonic is the best play of the year get your tickets at stereophonicplay.com slash fox why do you run why does anyone i always thought that runners loved running and that's not the case most runners hate running (laughs) but they choose to do it In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.